the Steelers versus the Packers, Super Bowl 45. There'll be a meeting held this afternoon, a Bear support group. For those who are still mourning the game two weeks ago. Do you know last year 100 million people watched the Super Bowl here in the United States? And there was 8 million pounds of guacamole served along with 14,500 tons of chips. Anybody contribute to that mass of food? Yes, I did as well. In fact, I'd like to do a quick survey here. What's your favorite part of the Super Bowl? you got three choices. I'm going to give them to you, and then I'm going to have you stand. Uh, is it the game? Is it the commercials? Or is it the food? I'm thinking game, commercials, or food. So stand if it's a game. That's your favorite part. Okay, that's a game. All right. You can sit down. Now, how about the commercials? Who likes commercials? Okay, that's a good representation. Yeah. How about the food? All right. Okay. Katie's got her hand back up there. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I think it was the food. What do you guys think? Huh? Yeah. yeah all right. But, uh, yeah, it's always great to watch the big battle. But I tell you what, that big battle is nothing compared to the real Super Bowl, the cosmic battle that is going on today and every day. The cosmic battle between God and Satan. Go back into some ancient history. Lucifer was the highest created being. The morning star. And it went to his head. And he wanted to usurp God. And he took a third of the angels with him to try to do this. And of course God threw them out of heaven. And ever since then, they've been adversaries. Now, of course, we know who wins in the end. There's no doubt about that. But we are in the midst of a battle. We see a verse that really pulls back the curtain on what's happening that we don't see in Ephesians 6:12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who knows how many demons... There are, but they're organized like a military, rulers and authorities and powers and forces of evil. And they have been training for thousands and thousands of years in how to influence us, manipulate us toward moving away from God. They, of course, want to defeat God, which will never happen. The second thing they want to do is they want to keep everybody as far away as they can from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to squelch the gospel. They want to keep it from everybody. We see this in the parable of the sower that Jesus taught in Matthew 13, 19. Jesus said, when anyone hears the message, that's the good news, about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes in and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So even a person who listens to the gospel, maybe doesn't quite understand it, Satan will do everything he can to get them off track. And friends, our responsibility here at Springbrook, our mission here at Springbrook, why we exist as an organization, is to proclaim the gospel 
to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ, help them to make that decision, and then disciple them, to help them to grow, to know Jesus Christ better, and to become like Him. That is the responsibility God has given us, and there is no plan B. The angels aren't a backup plan to come to earth and tell everybody. We have the responsibility. We're the only ones, Christ followers throughout the world. It's a very, very important task. So Satan wants to get us, our church, off mission. Satan wants to distract each of us from what really the most important thing is in this world, and that's making disciples. Jesus Christ told us what our church was all to be about in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first thing you need to know about the Great Commission is that it is given by Jesus Christ under His authority, and His authority controls everything, and it's empowered by Jesus Christ. He is the one who is issuing the command. He's the one who is empowering the command. The last verse, and surely I will with you always to the very end of the age, Jesus Christ is going to walk with us and guide us and strengthen us in fulfilling this command. And what is the command? He says, therefore, go and make disciples. The emphasis is not on the go, but it's on make disciples. It's all about making disciples. That's what our church is about. Now, the way that we paraphrase this Great Commission is we want to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And some form of this mission, a paraphrase, is the mission of every Bible-believing church. We're to make disciples, bring people in, evangelize them, and then disciple them, help them to know Jesus and become like Him. That's why we're here today, is to make disciples. But first of all, it starts with evangelism. We need to bring people in. We need to tell people about the love of God. Wherever we go, this is talked about by Christ in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And there's the power of God. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In McHenry County, our Judea, our Samaria, or excuse me, our Jerusalem, that is. Judea would be our region, the Chicago region. Samaria, cross-culturally. In our own area, might be starting a Hispanic church. And to the ends of the earth, we're doing that. In fact, we had our year-end offering end last week. We started on Thanksgiving and went through last week. And our goal was to raise $30,000. That was our prayer goal, to raise $30,000 for our home makeover and our Belize project. And by the grace of God, you gave $40,000, huh? All the praise goes to him. Ah, that's wonderful. God is doing great things at Springbrook. He's on the move. And I think of our whole makeover, $20,000 would go towards remodeling and just making our 
facility feel more like a home. And that really is an evangelism focus for people coming in who want to know what is God all about. We want them to feel like this is home, a place where they want to come to. And first impressions are everything, as you know. And we want the kids' area to be a fun place. We're going to spice that up a little bit and so kids can say, hey, this is a fun place to be. Once they see what it looks like and then more importantly, when they meet the teachers and hear what they have to say about who Jesus is and engage with them in a meaningful way. So we're going to be looking at that over this next year, developing that. You'll hear more, much more about that. And the second project was our Belize project. Belize in Central America, just south of Mexico, where we took a mission trip this past summer. And there's three different things that we want to give money to there. It's $20,000. First is uh, to help with hurricane repair. This is their electric generator shed that was torn apart as well as a generator. So help with that. Another thing is to buy them a van. Their van is in disrepair. And the third thing is to help start a Christian boys' school and sponsor some kids in that. So we'll update you on how those funds are going to be used down in Believes, but we're doing evangelism. We're working together as a team, and our mission is to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to let you know as we look toward this new year, and this is an annual vision message. What are we looking at in 2011? How do we want to move forward as a church? I guess the best way to sum it up is that my desire, our, our leadership's desire is that we would be a fully engaged team. A fully engaged team. We have such an important job to do. We need to work at it as a team. We all need to be partnering together to do great things for God. I had a great team experience this past week. It snowed. And I'm so thankful I had a team, my three teenage boys. To work with. How many had to go out alone out there? Ah, give these people a back rub, all right? They are hurting. All right, well, I had a team. I was the father, and I gave the mission. And I defined their roles. We're going to do this efficiently, guys. So I had everybody working in different areas based upon their capabilities and their capacity. Yeah, I tell you, it was just overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, we, we have a long driveway. It's on an incline, and like a three-foot drift right in the middle of it. And I worked for about an hour. I had never gone out to the street. And it's funny how you perceive things. So I go out to the street, and I realize there's a three-drift at the end of our driveway. And I think, I was just, we're never going to get this done. And we worked for like four hours on this project. And, oh, we were working together. We had a mission. We believed in the mission. I did some vision casting. Uh, secondly, uh, we... Uh, each had a role to play, and we gave our 100% effort to make it happen. And we accomplished that goal. That's what a team does. Mission, role, full commitment to what's taking place. In fact, we were so excited afterwards, we wanted to take on another project. So myself and my three boys did this particular piece of artwork. You know, where do you put all that snow anyway, right? Nah, I'm just kidding. Got that off the internet. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. All right, you got to take that picture down there. They're not going to listen to me, okay? All right? 
I'm going to start thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return. So as I look toward 2011, we want to be a fully engaged team at Springbrook. We want to be a fully engaged team when it comes to evangelism. How are we doing in this area of evangelism as a church? Well, we did a survey in December just asking people, we want you to write down the names of anybody that you know of who became a Christ follower at Springbrook since we moved into our building about five years. And so people wrote, wrote down those names, and we came up with about 125 names. Now, that's great. It's something to rejoice over. 125 people coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. As I reflect upon our history, we were seeing that many people come to Christ, about 25 a year, and we were half the size that we are now. Now, that's not good. And certainly new churches tend to, you know, see a lot more conversions. And as you get older as a church, you see less. And that's typical, but that's not the way it should be. And I was thinking about myself and about our ministry. And I'm thinking, we've lost some of the passion for evangelism. Now, I have the gift of evangelism, and I've lost some passion. I had to repent of that because uh, there's so much to do. There's so many projects all kinds of ministry going on. But that's what Satan loves to do. He loves to get us so distracted with everything that needs to be done that we keep our eye off one of the most important things, and that's bringing people into the family of God. So this year we want to pray that God would fire us up to want to see people come to Christ. Now, just think with me for a moment. I want you to think of one person, not a relative. We love and care for our relatives. But just think about a person that you know in the community, a neighbor, co-worker, somebody you've worked with on son's football team or something, a person you care about, a person that you're pretty sure they're not a Christ follower. Now, we can't read people's uh, minds, and God only knows their hearts, but let's just assume theoretically that they're not. Now, my question for you is, do you believe that that person, if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and, Lord, before they die, that they are going to spend eternity, not with you, but separated from Christ in hell, in suffering. Do you really believe that? Some people don't. But I do, because the Bible says that. We don't like to think about that. That makes us feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? It makes me feel uncomfortable. But it's the truth. Now, it's one thing to believe it in your head and say, yeah, I believe that. But it's another thing to believe it in your heart and to have an eternal perspective. And when you're dialoguing with that person, when you're thinking about that person, you're thinking, wow, you know, I really want them to become a Christ follower. And, and if they don't, I'm not going to spend eternity with them, and they're not going to spend eternity with God. Now, if we really believe that in our heart, I guarantee you, that our thinking would be different. Our relationship would be different with them, don't you? And you see, that's what Satan likes to do. He just kind of likes to get us distracted, busy with life, and forget about the people that are going to hell around us. Well, friends, we need to ask God to, to work in our hearts and minds and get us focused. Now, that doesn't mean you, you go out and at the Super Bowl party tonight, you pull a that friend aside and say, i got some stuff to talk to you about. <laughs> that probably wouldn't go over real well. 
Uh, what you want to do is you just want to continue to love them. And you want to, you want to continue, increase your focus on, on being used by God to bring them to Christ. You want to pray for them. You want to love them more. You want to engage with them more. And look for opportunities to bring them out to church activities, like the Super Bowl party tonight. That's a pretty neutral activity. Uh, to, again, share about your life with Christ. And when you have that opportunity to share about what it means to be a Christ follower. Lifestyle evangelism, that's what we're talking about here. We need to be committed to that. In fact, I was thinking about this, and, and we've made a commitment uh, to pray as leadership and as a church to see 52 people come into a relationship with Christ this year. 52 people. Now, that's twice what we did probably last year based upon the survey uh, that we did. But 52 people to come to Christ. Now, again, it's a prayer goal. And the, the helpful thing about a prayer goal, it gets you moving in the right direction. It might be 40 people, it might be 60 people, whatever God wants. But, hey, let's pray for 52 people or more. And when you start praying that way, your heart starts going that way. In fact, just in the past month, we had uh, someone at our membership class. His name was Chuck. And, and he, God had been working in his life over this last year. And really, he had come to trust in Christ, but he never really had solidified that decision. So right there in that membership class, he prayed the prayer and solidified that decision to follow Christ. And then just last week, there was a guy who attended uh, the church. He'd been out here off and on, and he had an issue going on in his life. And uh, so I went out to lunch with him, and he made a decision to follow Christ. And we had a girl in Iwana follow Christ. That's three so far. Okay, three people whose eternities have been changed. Now, that's exciting stuff, isn't it? That's what it's all about. So I want to encourage you to pray, and I want to encourage you to think, and we just need to continue to think about, okay, how do we get our hearts more around where God's heart is at, around lost people? Take this message sheet out, this green sheet, and I want you to take a look at some next steps here to challenge you with. I want everybody to take that out. Put your name down and your email. I'm sure you'll, you'll at least want to check one of these things. Uh, first of all, I have a passion for evangelism and would like to attend a meeting with Pastor Dan to talk with others about how I can grow in this area. So I just want to find out who out there has a passion for evangelism. It just is really important to them. Uh, people with the gift of evangelism, but you don't need the gift. You just need to have a real strong interest. And I'd love to get together with you and hear what you're doing and see what we can do to equip you and to help you uh, to reach the people in your life and the people here at Springbrook who don't know uh, the Lord. So check that off, and uh, we'll give you a call and uh, talk about uh, a possible meeting. Uh, or I have an interest in learning more about how I can be involved in our home makeover project. It's an evangelistic project, uh, warming up our facility. So again, write down whatever skills you might have that you think would help out with a project. Now, we're going to have a lot of people involved in this project. It's going to be fun this year as we see this thing unfold. Uh, but again, what skills might you have? Now, you might just have to get the helps. And you say, I'm willing to help. Hey, that's great because we're going to have a lot of jobs that need to be done. But maybe you have a specific skill like instruction or painting or interior design or you're just a very creative person. Uh, there's a lot of different skills that uh, work within that. So fill that out, and we'll put your name on a list, and uh, we'll contact you as needed. Uh, the next thing is I'd like to receive prayer emails 
this week for our week of prayer. Now, you have another insert that's a prayer prompter. That is a, an insert that you fill out if you want to receive a prayer request every, excuse me, a prayer email every week about needs at Springbrook. Not confidential stuff, but just basic needs for our ministry. I would encourage you to fill that out. But this is just for this week. This is our week of prayer we're going to be having. And all the small groups are going to spend half, about half of their time in praying for our ministry. That's going to be uh, where we're going to be praying. And But maybe you'd like an email every day just to remind you to pray during this week of prayer. Well, check that off. I would encourage everybody to check that off uh, so you'll be reminded about our need for prayer empowering what God wants to do here. Uh, next thing I'm interested in learning more about baptism. We'll talk about that in a moment. I'm interested in learning more about the spiritual gift class. We'll talk about that in a moment. I like meeting new people and like to know more about being on the connection team. We value our guests so much here at Springbrook, people who are checking out our church, and we want to get to know them better. So this is beyond our host, greeter, usher team. These are people who intentionally are trying to get to know new people before and after our service. So if you'd really like to meet new people, and that sounds like a fun time, uh, I would love to work with you on that so you can check that off. So again, evangelism, we want to be fully engaged in that way. We want to pray for 52 people or more to come uh, to Christ, and we want to see people's lives transformed. So the Great Commission, the passionate followers of Jesus Christ, you evangelize them first, then you disciple them. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we go back to that verse. Jesus came to them and so forth. Uh, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's another challenge for you. Vision for the new year. This year, if you have not been baptized by immersion and you're Christ follower, I would love to see you take that step. We're going to have a baptism in six weeks as part of our R12 series. And so be thinking about it. Here's a challenge, guys. So many people wait to be baptized because they're waiting to be perfect. They're saying, well, I have to reach a certain level of spiritual maturity to be baptized. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time. I'll tell you that right now. I'd still be waiting to be baptized. <laughs> okay? Don't, don't worry about that. When you became a Christian, all right, you need to be baptized. Like in the book of Acts, it happened right away. Again, if you're living in rebellion against God, probably not the best time to be baptized. But if you're just, again, seeking God... Take that step of baptism. Some people wait for the perfect logistical date so their whole family can be in and that kind of thing. And I understand that. It's a great celebration. But some of you will be waiting forever for that to get everybody together, okay? Just do it. Get baptized. Put the, put the baptism on YouTube and send them the link. I'm just kidding. But uh, the point is people have a lot of excuses why I can't be baptized. Well, maybe you're just hiding behind those excuses. Obey God. God says to do it. Be baptized. Take that step. Check it off on the green insert if you're interested in learning more about that. Uh, and it says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That really sums up what discipleship is all about. It's teaching people how to know and love Jesus Christ, have a relationship with Him, and to grow in that relationship and to become like Him. And really everything we do here at Springbrook has to do with discipleship. We're constantly making disciples. Right now, we're in the midst of disciple-making, as I teach you. As we worshiped, we're in the midst of disciple-making. Obviously, everything we do is worship. But as we sang music, uh, that was also discipleship-making. KOTK, they're making disciples. Our youth ministry, they're making disciples. 
Every ministry, the facility ministry, when somebody's shoveling the walk, that's making disciples, preparing this ministry facility for people to come in and learn about God. So we need to be fully engaged in ministry because that's how we make disciples. And the question is, how fully engaged are we? There's a tendency sometimes in churches, volunteer organizations, to think, hey, somebody else will do it. Let me share this little story with you. Uh, Once upon a time, there were four men named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. But everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about it because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, and nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And then it up that everybody blamed somebody, and nobody did the job that anybody could have done in the first place. (laughs) Isn't that so true about the church? We're sitting here, look at all these people. A lot of things are being done, and... The lights are on and there's slides on the screen, so they must not need any help. <laughs> right? That's the way we tend to think. Well, friends, we need to all fully be engaged in ministry. And that's not true. According to our rough statistics, only about 60%, 6 out of 10 people, 4 people out of 10 people are sitting on the bench. You think the Green Bay Packers are going to go out there without 40% of their starters? The starters are going to be excited. They're going to have their best people on the line, right? Friends, we need to all be engaged in ministry. We need to all be engaged in what God is going to do here at Springbrook and reaching people and discipling them. We can't have people sitting on the bench because you've all been chosen to serve here, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're not saved by our works. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, you're not saved by your good works, but once God transforms you, one of the key reasons He does that is so you can do good works, just out of a natural love for Him. You're God's workmanship, especially made your hand crafted by God for a particular person person your purpose that is you're not just like a generic Christian you know where they can fit anywhere in the in, in the ministry no God's made you specifically for a purpose a unique purpose created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do God's got all kinds of special projects for you to work on in his kingdom as you live the rest of your life and you have been chosen to be here at Springbrook you didn't choose this church God chose this church for you and you're here for a particular reason we need you God gave you to our family because he wanted you to serve a particular function he wanted you to do a particular ministry and if you're sitting on the bench if you're just coming to services on the weekends, hey, we're not operating at full capacity. You're hurting the team, right? You're not 
fully engaged. If you're a Christ follower and you've chosen Springbrook as your home and you've been here six months and you're not yet involved in a ministry, it's time to step up. It's time to get engaged. It's time to get on the field, friends. We want to be in fully, be a fully engaged team. That's what God desires. One way to find out where you belong is to find out your shape. We have an acronym that we use here at Springbrook to help you define who you might be in God's family and how he wants to use you. S stands for spiritual gift. S stands for spiritual gift. We read about that in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Some of you might think, what are you talking about, spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that God gives you, usually one more than one gift, at conversion in order to serve his family. So you have the gift of leadership, the gift of teaching, which I'm exercising right now, the gift of administration. Every ministry needs a person with the gift of administration, right? The gift of hospitality, having people over your house, making feel people feel comfortable and welcome. The gift of discernment, being able to figure out uh, difficult things and see things that other people uh, can't see. The gift of helps, the gift of service. I think of Bill Sigma, uh, who is involved in our facility ministry and mowing the lawn all the time. I've been talking to Phil Gannison, our facility manager, about him, and he just has a gift of helps. He just, he just wants to help all the time. He says, what, what do you need me to do? Uh, again, he's just using his gift, just like I'm using my gift now. We all have a particular shape. We all have a particular spiritual gift that, that we can use and we're, we can administer God's grace in its various forms. We can bless people through it, and they can experience God's power and love. Uh, verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do as one speaking the very words of God. So I need to take my responsibility as a pastor teacher very seriously. If anyone serves, he should be do it with the strength God provides. He serve through God's strength, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. It's all for the praise and glory of God. Well, let's look through the rest of this acronym. S stands for spiritual gift. And again, if you have no clue what your spiritual gift is, I would encourage you to go back to the green insert and check where it says spiritual gift class. And I think Pastor Rich is teaching another spiritual gift class in March. And after you're done with that spiritual gift class, you'll have a good idea of what your spiritual gifts might be. Very, very helpful. So I encourage you to do that. It's a great way to help you to grow this year and becoming part of the team. So we have H stands for heart passion. That also helps you determine what ministry you want to be involved in. Uh, what are you passionate about? I think of Mark Euston, who's so, compa so compassionate and passionate about our compassion ministries, our backpack drives and food drives and everything that goes on during the Christmas season and uh, what we had last week with the Tri-County Pregnancy Center, the baby bottles. Be sure to pick up a baby bottle. If you weren't here, they're right against that wall. You must support uh, these ladies who are struggling with a decision whether to save their baby's life or take it. So, uh, again, we need more people being come engaged in our compassion ministries, so check that off uh, on the sheet that you'll see in a moment. Abilities. I think I'm Mike Schneider. Every time, <laughs> every winter almost, uh, the concrete heaves in front of our doors. So we have to have him come over because he works in construction and he's able to chip away that concrete. Well, all of you have many skills that you use in the workplace or 
use at home and other areas. Uh, we need those skills here at Springbrook. We need people in our computer area, our IT area, managing our servers and things like that. So please let us know if you have those skills, and uh, we'll see how we can use those. So those abilities help you determine where you might be involved in ministry. Personality also makes a difference. Uh, are you a kind of person that loves to just be outgoing, or are you kind of behind-the-scenes type person? Are you a person that loves details, or are you a big-picture type person? Well, that kind of helps direct you what ministry you might be involved in. And finding experiences, for example, if you've lost a loved one. You have a passion for helping people who are going through the grief process. So look at your shape. Think through this this week. Reflect upon it and say, okay, how has God designed me, and where does he want me to serve at Springbrook? And we want to help you. So just talk to any of the pastors or small group leader, and uh, they'll guide you in that process. Second Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So, Paul is talking to Timothy. And Timothy was his spiritual son. And he says, fan that... Fan uh, that gift. Work on your gift. Now I want to talk to you who are already involved in ministry. There's a lot of people here. We're so appreciative of that. Uh, there's a tendency for us to plateau in different areas of our life. It's happening all the time. You know? Plateau and taking care of our bodies. We plateau and, you know, serving our families. Uh, and we can plateau in ministry. And we get to a certain point and say, well, I'm doing enough. Well, you really have to ask God about that. You don't make that decision. God makes that decision. And I've seen people just kind of stall where they're on a growth track in ministry and then all of a sudden they say, I'm doing enough, and they stall out. Well, friends, we've got to fan the flame of the gift that we have. Whatever gift you might have, if you know it, you've got to continue to work on it. Like I continue to work on being a better teacher by listening to other pastors teach and reading books and uh, getting feedback about my messages. This is a gift God has entrusted to me, so I need to continue to do a better and better job to the power of God. So whatever your gift is, you need to work on that. And you need to stoke the fires, and you need to get excited and, and train other people to do what you do. Uh, that's one of the purposes of the gifts is to train other people to do whatever you're gifted in. All right? We're all expected to be evangelists, but the person with the gift of evangelism trains other people to have more of a passion to reach lost people on exactly how to do that. And for those of you involved in ministry right now, uh, again, I, I just want you to go to God in prayer as we go throughout this year and really reflect upon your ministry involvement. Because, for example, you know, a person might be involved. The only thing they do here at Springbrook is they serve once a month, let's say, in our Kids of the Kingdom area. Now, that's great. We're very appreciative of that. But you need to grow beyond that in ministry. That's, that's a great entry-level position. So how does God want you to grow in that area? Maybe you want to serve twice a month. Maybe you want to teach. Maybe you want to take on another ministry. So I want to just ask each of you to go to the Lord over the next month especially, and say, Lord, am I doing all I need to? Because I know that there are people sitting on the bench here at Springbrook, and I know that there are people already involved in ministry who are not as engaged as they should be because we need more people. We need more people to do the work that God has called us to do in discipling. 
And you just got to go to the Lord and uh, look at what he wants you to do. Uh, this document will help you. You can take this out right now, this pink document called the First Serve Survey. Now, this is particularly for those people who have not yet been involved uh, in a ministry. And so we want to challenge everybody uh, who this applies to to fill this out during the month of February. Uh, again, just some information about yourself, uh, statements that describe you in terms of what your personality uh, is like, uh, any special skills. We talked about that earlier. Uh, then if you know your spiritual gifts or you think, hey, maybe I might have that spiritual gift, you can check those off. And then we would encourage you uh, to try a first serve in one of these ministries. We talked about the compassion ministry. Uh, we've talked a lot about our production ministry. In fact, right now we have somebody doing a first serve back there, just kind of shadowing, watching what's going on. And uh, that's the nature of a first serve. You just do it once and you see if you like it. And if you like it, you can try it again. And... Eventually, you maybe want to become a part of that ministry, or maybe you'll try something and say, that's not for me. So you can try something else. That's the idea of our first serve system, to give you opportunities uh, to obey God in this area of ministry. And so maybe you're already involved in ministry, but I would really ask you to prayerfully look over the other ministries and say, okay, is this the best fit for me? Uh, can I do something in addition to what I'm always already doing? Or again, can I step up? Can I do more in the ministry that God has called me to. Because we need more leaders. We need more people to take more responsibility uh, to get the work that God has called us to do. In closing here, I'd like Dan and Michelle Stewart to come up. And they're a great example of how God can use our ministry uh, to touch the life of our family. And it's my understanding that Michelle attended a Baptist church uh, when she was growing up and then Kind of grew away from that, but then what brought you back uh, to church? Well, as you're talking about ministry today, um, my father actually ministered me. I was raised in the church. I was very involved uh, as a youth. Um, when I graduated high school, I left home. I left God, and I left him far behind. But my dad kept working on me, encouraging me to get my family back in the church. And um, about five years ago, he passed away suddenly. And I was very saddened that he did not see uh, his grandchildren in the church. I knew it was time that that was my call. And so I came. We visited many churches searching for home church. But um, Pastor Dan and uh, the other ministries spoke to me. Um, Kids of the Kingdom, the worship ministry, they just all spoke to me. And uh, I think Dan as well. And I just knew this was a place for us. And um, there's been great changes in my family, which Dan can uh, emphasize on that. But uh, we really love it here. Um, we've gotten involved in spring, uh, small groups, which have been, they've become our family as well. Yeah? Yeah, when we started here, like, uh, five years ago, you know, uh, I, Pastor Dan really spoke to me uh, when we were here. And, uh, and, and I came to Christ shortly after. And it's been a huge change in my life. And, and all of our kids now, they've come to Christ as well. And, and, and like I said, the, the ministries, the kids of the kingdom, the youth ministries have been phenomenal for our family. You know, I, it's changed my life. Um, and, and you were just talking about the first serve. We actually did the first serve. We've done a lot of different things here. And, and you know, you never know what, you're gonna, what you like until you try it. And it's, it doesn't hurt to try. I mean, I do lights in the production. Never thought I would do that, you know. So not, 
That's something I would have imagined. Yeah. You were talking to me and you said there was really a catalyst that really helped you in small groups. Small groups was phenomenal. So uh, two things really helped come. Uh, I had lots of questions. Uh, Christianity 101 was one of the classes I had that helped a lot. And small groups was amazing help too. Just uh, getting to know everybody. Uh, it's, it's your own, you know, it's the church family. And, and getting the smaller church family, people having them pray for you was, was helpful. And again, answering questions and making you understand more of what's in the Bible. It was, it was wonderful. So Michelle was a Christian before she came to Springbrook, and then you became a Christian here as well as your three children? Correct, yes. Uh, that's amazing. Let's, let's give the Lord a hand. You see, friends, this is what it's all about. It's God using us to change lives. And, and, and when they came here, a bunch of people in ministry that they've mentioned, a lot of different people in ministry, again, they were allowing God's grace to flow through them, to minister to them. And then uh, Dan and Michelle and their kids uh, basically now are involved in ministry, and the grace is flowing through them to other people. That's the whole idea. Isn't it a great thing? God thought it up, right? And uh, so, friends, that's what I'm talking about when we talk about a fully engaged team in terms of people like uh, Dan and Michelle, who had been away from church, and they came here, and because of you, because you were engaged in ministry, because you had a heart to see Dan come to Christ, and their kids come to Christ, and you had a heart to help them grow, this is what God does through us, and this is what we celebrate. Now, what, what anniversary did you celebrate, bud? 18 years. 18 years. All right, let's give me a hand. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, that's what it's all about, friends. So I, I lovingly encourage you and challenge you to become part of our fully engaged team here at Springbrook to make a difference for the Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the generosity of our people. Let me just give you all the glory for the money that's been given to our year-end offering. And, Lord, we pray uh, that you would utilize those funds in amazing ways to touch the lives of people here and Belize. And uh, thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. In Christ's name.